What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. Thank you all for joining me. In this episode, I will continue to preview the SEC West, taking a look at the Arkansas Razorbacks and the Texas A&M Aggies. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches YouTube channel, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. The Twitter account is at 60FT6INLSUPod. Make sure to follow, hit that notifications bell. You don't want to miss out on any of the content we will be dropping next week. Where the plan is to have something drop every day leading all the way up to the opening pitch for the 2023 season at Alec Box Stadium. There's going to be a ton of content. I can't wait for y'all to interact and see what we got in store for y'all. If you missed the last episode, I previewed Auburn and Mississippi State sticking with the SEC West. I predicted a seventh place finish for Auburn going 12 and 18 in conference. And I predicted a fourth place finish for the Mississippi State Bulldogs with a 15 and 15 SEC record. Of course, that episode is linked on their Twitter account, either YouTube or podcast version. And I will do the same thing for this one as well. So let's get into it. First up, take a trip up to Fayetteville to preview the Arkansas Razorbacks. Last year in 2022, Arkansas went 46 and 21 overall, 18 and 12 in SEC conference play. That was good for second in the SEC West. They did go 0 and 2 in the SEC tournament, but it didn't matter because they went to Stillwater and won the Oklahoma State Regional. They then went to Chapel Hill and won the North Carolina Super, and then they went to the College World Series where they went 3 and 2 with both losses coming to SEC West West foe Ole Miss. The Razorbacks finished the 2022 season ranked third and fourth in a couple of different polls. And one thing interesting to note, they have been to the College World Series three out of the last five years. So an amazing job that Dave Van Horn and his staff have done up there in Fayetteville. When you look at some of the team statistics from last year's team, hitting, they were 12 out of 14 teams and batting average at 276. But they were able to drive in those runs, fifth in slugging, fifth in runs scored, fourth in hits, fourth in RBIs, second in doubles. My point is, they may not have had a great team overall batting average, but when it mattered most, when runners were on base, they had the ability to execute and drive in those runs, rack up RBIs, and eventually rack up a lot of Ws. And that's all that matters, really. They got the job done when it counted, when it mattered, and especially in the SEC conference play. So to me, you can throw the Team BAA out the window as long as they're getting job done with regards to scoring runs. Pitching, you know, typically Dave Van Horn teams have a very solid pitching staff, and last year was no different for the Hogs. They were third in team ERA at 4.07, third in opponent's batting average at 233, third in opposition hitters' Cade, and they were tied for first in saves. So very impressive once again by his staff developing those pitchers. Fielding, second-best fielding percentage in the SEC at 982, and they actually turned the most double plays as anybody in the conference. Now, looking ahead to 2023, what does their schedule look like? First, in terms of non-conference, they do start the year out at the College Baseball Showdown with Mizzou and Vandy. Once again, that's taking place in Arlington, Texas, where the Rangers play. They will face TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. Then they have a three-game set with Louisiana Tech, and then a two-game set with UNLV. And UNLV last year, I don't know how they looked this year, but I know last year they could absolutely mash. So it'll be interesting seeing those guys uh, take the trip east to Fayetteville. 
looking at their SEC schedule for 2023, there's really no lulls in there. You know, their second series of the year is at LSU. They have tough back-to-back series with at Ole Miss and home versus Tennessee. So I'm sure that place will be rocking. But the last four could be very tough. But it really depends on how these teams shake out and what their seasons are looking like at this point at the end of the year. They have A&M, at State, South Carolina, then at Vandy to end the year. So Arkansas really drew the short end of the stick this year, looking at their SEC game, SEC East games, as they missed out on playing Kentucky and Mizzou. And instead, they picked up Tennessee and Vanderbilt. In terms of preseason rankings, the Hogs were ranked 8th by Division I Baseball, 11th by Baseball America. Um, and it, one of the things I noticed with regards to ba- uh, Division I Baseball, they do these kind of every couple of years, they rank the programs around the country on the past 10 or 15 years. And they ranked Vanderbilt first this year for the past 10 or 15 years. But then Arkansas came in ranked number two. So pretty impressive showing in what they've done up there for Dave Van Horn. When you look at the transfer portal, they had the number third ranked overall class. Now this is including division one transfers, high school kids and Juco players that moved into Fayetteville. Some of their key transfers, they have the number 27th ranked kid and Tavian Hosenberger. Sorry if I messed that up. Tavian Hosenberger from Kansas. He looks to play center field and hit potentially lead off. He was a two time all big 12 selection for the Jayhawks. They also have the 19th-ranked transfer in Creighton outfielder Jared Wagner. He should be an immediate impact player, immediate starter in that outfield. He was an all-biggie selection out of Creighton. He hit 343 with 11 home runs and 53 RBIs last year for the Blue Jays. Then they also have shortstop John Bolton, who came in from Austin P, and several other JUCO players, including three pitchers and a shortstop. Moving on to their hitters. So what were some of their key losses in terms of hitters? From 2022 to 2023, they actually lost, get this, 74% of their home run production from last year. They lost 73% of their RBI production. That may be the most that I've seen in doing all these SEC previews. So they lost an absolute ton when it comes to power and driving in runs. To take it a step further, they only returned two starters from last year's College World Series team. Highlighting some of those losses, they lost all three outfielders. They lost Chris Lanzilli, who hit 326, which led the team last year. He also had 11 home runs at 40 RBIs. They lost Braden Webb, who hit 288 with 15 bombs and 42 RBIs. And they lost another outfielder in Zach Gregory. Moving on to the infield, they lost their double play combination. And if you remember, they turned more double plays than anybody in the SEC last year. They lost starting shortstop Jalen Battles who hit 289 with 10 home runs, and his partner in crime, second baseman Robert Moore, who had eight home runs as well. They also lost their starter behind the plate, catcher Michael Turner. All he did was hit 323 last year with nine home runs and 53 RBIs. So just a ton of experience, a ton of proven players that they have to replace this year. But they hope to do that in the form of Louisiana native, Peyton Stovall. Last year, he was a freshman and played first base. This year, it seems like he's going to move over to second base, and they look for him to have a breakout year, and so do I as well. Last year, Peyton Stovall hit 295, drove drove in 31 runs with six home runs. I believe he's from Houghton. They also um, look to move to the infield. So Stovall moving from first to second 
Their plan is to move Brady Slavens, who DH last year, to move him off that DH role and move him to first base. Last year, he had 16 home runs and 58 RBIs for Arkansas, so a ton of pop. I'm sure he's going to look to improve on this num- those numbers as well. They also bring back outfielder, part-time starter, Jace Bowrofen. 26 games started. He hit 228. He's looking to start this year in the outfield and make a jump. But then you have those transfers, especially in the outfield. You have the Creighton transfer and Wagner, and then uh, the Kansas transfer and Josenberger. So their outfield looks to be filled out. In terms of third base, part-time starter Kendall Diggs looks like he's leading that competition. And he only hit 197 in 27 games last year, but he was hampered by injury. So it looks like they have first base and second base locked up. The biggest question for the Hogs is who's going to play short? That seems like that's a battle between the Austin P transfer and a Juco player. And then who's going to play third? Kendall Diggs may or may not have that spot locked up. Just have to wait and see. But also, you have to replace Michael Turner, who caught last year for them. So they have some serious questions on the infield. When you look at their pitchers, they lost a lot. But, man, they are still loaded down there in Fayetteville. Their key losses, they lost their Friday night ace in Connor Nolan. I'm sure the rest of the conference will be happy to see him go. He started 19 games last year, 116 innings pitched with a 3.65 ERA. And then they lost a lot in their bullpen. They lost Evan Taylor, who's actually the older brother of LSU's Grant Taylor. Evan was a lefty. He had 33 appearances last year, 5-0 with a 3.65 ERA, and he could run it up there 94-96. to They lost kind of their setup man in Zeb Vermillion, big Zeb. 24 appearances with a 2.39 ERA and two saves. And they also lost Cole Ramage, who had 31 appearances. So a ton of appearances from that arm as well, with 50 innings pitched and three saves. So who do they return? Why are people so high on Arkansas if they lost a lot in terms of home runs and RBIs? Why are they ranked so high? Well, it's because they have a ton of arms coming back. In fact, I read an article where Dave Van Horn said he believes this is the best staff he has ever had at this point. And that article was written about two to three weeks ago. So to me, that's saying a lot. You know, coach speak, and they're always going to pump up their players. But for him to come out and say the best staff ever, that's that's pretty impressive right there. Those are big words coming from the head coach at Arkansas. They lost their Friday night starter in Connor Nolan, but they returned Saturday and Sunday right there. Um, Their Saturday starter last year was freshman left-handed pitcher Hagen Smith. So now he's a sophomore. I would imagine he's just going to bump right up into that Friday role. And he was dominant last year, especially against LSU. He started 15 games for the Hogs last year, 7-2 record with a 4.66 ERA, 77 innings pitched and 90 Ks. Once again, greater than that one-to-one ratio we look at here at 60 feet, 6 inches. So he's absolutely dominant, and I'm sure he looks to improve on that performance heading into his sophomore year. They also returned Sunday starter from last year, right-handed pitcher Jackson Wiggins. 15 games started, 6-3 and record with 66 innings pitched and 82 Ks. So once again, dominant stuff from Wiggins. I just remember he had a really, really dominant fastball as well. One guy a lot of people are very excited about and the coaching staff is very, very excited about is right-handed pitcher Will McIntyre. He looks to slot in behind Hagen Smith and Jackson Wiggins into that weekend rotation. He started eight games for the Hogs last year with a two, excuse me, with a 2.59 ERA and 48 innings pitched. They said he's really kind of that 92, 93 miles an hour but he's got three to four pitches for a strike, and he absolutely pounds his own and challenges hitter. So I know they're very excited about Will McIntyre in Fayetteville this year. 
in terms of their bullpen, we mentioned how they lost Taylor and Big Zeb and uh, Cole Ramage, but that's okay because they got their closer back in sophomore Brady Tigard. Eight saves, 24 appearances, 37 innings pitched with 51 Ks. And they also bring back left-handed pitcher out of the pen, Zach Morris. He had 22 appearances and phenomenal numbers. He went 6-1 and one with a 2.32 ERA out the pen. So right there, you basically have your three weekend guys penciled in with Smith, Wiggins, and McIntyre. And then it looks like you might have your setup and your closer guy already ready to roll with left-handed pitcher Zach Morris doing the setting up for sophomore stud closer Brady Tigard. So that's why so many people are excited in Fayetteville. That's why they have the high rankings. So looking at the 2023 prediction for Arkansas, Defensively, I just wonder what they're going to look like. With only two starting position players back from the 2022 College World Series team, I think the infield is not a mess, but it it has some issues, right? You don't know who's going to start third. You don't know who's going to start at short. And then catcher, obviously, is a problem as well. Also, there's going to be a new double play combination with Stovall moving from first to second. But it seems like second was his natural position, and he just played first last year so they could get his bat into the lineup. As far as the outfield, I don't have nearly as many concerns with those two stud transfers coming in and um, Wagner and Josenberger from Kansas. And then it also looks like Jace Brohoffen will slide right in there as well, who is a part-time starter for Arkansas in 2022. So hitting-wise, I think they're going to have some pop and they're going to have some experience when you look at Stovall, Slavens, and Wagner. But besides those guys, I'm just not sure on the quality of the lineup in terms of SEC standards. It's great if you have three or four guys, but what does everybody else look like around them? And are they able to get in base on base so those three guys can drive them in? Which is, if you remember from the top of the show, that's the, that's the best thing Arkansas did last year was drive in runs with men on base. But when it comes to the arms and the pitching staff, I really think it's one of the best in the conference. I think you can line up their weekend rotation, set up and closer with anyone in the conference, it may not be as good as Tennessee's, but I think when you look at the rest of the conference, they can stack it right up there with anybody. Um, I th- and I think you can expect big things from guys like Hagen Smith and Tigart this year coming into their sophomore years after having such, such success as freshmen last year. So I think they're going to lean heavily on their pitching staff early in the year until conference play comes around. And then Van Horn's going to have a pretty good idea of what those hitters look like and how those position battles shook out. But – do they have the elite players from a hitting standpoint to protect the top four? I don't know. Can they drive in those runs like they did last year? I don't know. Probably. And by the time they get their conference play, they're going to know that. Will they do it with the efficiency and uh, the, the raw numbers that they put up last year? I just don't think so. But I think they're going to be good enough and lean on those arms out there in that staff in Fayetteville. Therefore, my 2023 prediction for the Arkansas Razorbacks, I predict them to go 17-13 and 13 in SEC conference play and to finish second in the SEC West. Moving on south down the road to College Station, everybody's favorite cult-like fan base, the Texas A&M Aggies. I had to throw that in there. Last year, A&M it went 44-20. and 20. They finished first in the SEC West with a 19-11 and 11 record. They won their own regional. Then they beat Louisville when they came to College Station for the Supers. They went to the College World Series, which it feels like everybody in the SEC West did, and they went 2-2 two and two in Omaha last year, which is pretty impressive considering Jim Schlossnagel, that was his first year. That was pitching coach Nate Yeske's first year, 
And obviously they took third base and recruiting coordinator Nolan Kane from LSU over to College Station. When you look at some of their team statistics for 2022, in terms of hitting, they were second in team batting average at 289, seventh in slugging, fourth in runs. A lot of hits coming in second, a lot of doubles. They hit seven. They came in seventh in terms of home runs. They walked a lot and they struck out a lot. So bottom line, what that tells me is they were very aggressive at the plate with some pop and they looked to get after you on the bases as well because they stole the third most bases in the SEC last year. So lots of hits, lots of doubles, lots of stolen bases. And we don't walk a lot and you strike out a lot. Well, to me, that just means when they get on base and they see something coming across that plate, they were absolutely hacking and they were very effective at it last year. Their pitching statistics for 2022. Now, these kind of shocked me knowing the history of Nate Yeski and what he's done at, at previous stops at Arizona and Oregon State. They were not very good on the mound in 2022. They were ninth in team ERA at 4.67, 11th in the podium batting average. They gave up the most hits in the SEC, which was more than 22 than the 13th ranked team. They gave up a ton of doubles. They were tied for the most home runs given up as well. That was just not something I would expect from a, a Yeski staff, but maybe it's due to the fact that, you know, that was year one and they did as much as they can with whoever's on campus and whatever portal guys they could, you know, kind of gather together. In terms of fielding, they were second to last in the conference when we looked, when we looked at fielding percentage. And actually they were only better than LSU. And we know how bad LSU was last year when it came to fielding. So they actually committed the same number of errors as LSU as well. Looking ahead to the Aggies' 2023 schedule, first in terms of non-conference, they play in the Shriners Classic in Houston at Minute Maid, so where the Astros play. They will have a rematch versus Louisville, so a rematch versus that Super Regional from 2022. They will also face Rice and Texas Tech in the Shriners Classic. Really nothing else of note in terms of their non-conference. It's pretty weak, to be honest with you. Their SEC schedule, I tell you what, you better strap it on if you're an Aggie player because they are coming out the gate swinging. LSU pays a, plays a visit to College Station, the first SEC weekend of the year. Then they go to Tennessee, and then when they return home, they have Ole Miss coming to town. So right off the bat, you have LSU, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. By some polls, that's three top ten teams. Ole Miss, their rankings kind of vary a little bit, but you get the picture. Nonetheless, that front half of the schedule is absolutely loaded. They do have Arkansas and Florida back-to-back in kind of the back half of the uh, schedule. But besides that, it's nothing amazing, no, no crazy stretches like we've seen with Ole Miss so far. They actually miss out on Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Georgia from the east. So they catch a huge break in terms of those three teams with two of those three in Vandy and South Carolina being ranked in all of the top 25 polls to lead off the year. When you look at their transfer portal, who did they grab this year? They grabbed the number 45-ranked transfer, Arizona State shortstop Hunter Haas. They grabbed the number 25-ranked transfer left-handed pitcher from Purdue, sophomore Troy Wansing. And then they grabbed the number 69-ranked transfer. They went out west to USC to get grad transfer right-handed pitcher Carson Lambert. Looking ahead to their hitters, so who do they lose off that 2022 team and who do they have coming back for 2023? The biggest loss you'll see in their lineup is Dylan Rock. He hit 320 last year with 18 bombs and 64 RBIs. The home runs in the RBIs led the team last year. They also lost Troy Clonch. He hit 292 with 15 doubles. And they had uh, 
Cole Kaler, who started 63 games last year but did not hit for a very good average. So right there, three starters, gone. But specifically, a lot of pop with Rock and Clunch. But in terms of their returners and hitters, this is one of the best hitting lineups on paper that is returning in the SEC. Hands down. There's really no denying it. And they have the potential to hit a lot of home runs this year. Returning-wise, they returned. Let's start on the infield. First baseman, Jack Moss. He led the team last year with a 381 average. He also contributed 49 RBIs. DH utility infielder is back in Austin Boast. He hit 361 with 10 bombs and 45 RBIs. Also, they returned second baseman Ryan Targak. He hit 295 with 15 home runs and 58 RBIs. I don't know if you're paying attention. Maybe I'm going through it too quick. Boast with 10 home runs. Targak with 15 home runs. Moss, the first baseman, hit 381 last year. They also returned part-time starting third baseman, who will be the full-time starting third baseman this year, Trevor Werner. He hit 264 with seven home runs. He was hampered by injury as well. So when you look at their infield, first base, lockdown. Second base, lockdown. Third base, lockdown. And then Austin Boast, who's DH utility guy, I would imagine he'll probably spend most of his time at DH. That position is locked down as well. Catcher, that's going to be an issue, and that's still an ongoing battle right now in camp. When you look at the outfield, they do return Brett Minich, who hit 307, seven home runs, 51 RBIs, full-time starter last year. And they also returned Jordan Thompson, who hit 265 and six home runs. So right there, you got two starters back ready to roll. So as you can see, that's why I'm so high on this lineup right there. One of the things I did fail to mention, another reason why I'm high for the Aggies, they're actually returning 61% of their home runs and returning 60% of their RBI production from 2022. So a completely different situation in College Station compared to Fayetteville, where those guys were losing 70% of home runs and RBIs. The Aggies are returning 60% out of both those categories. So very impressive so far for AM. When you look at their pitchers, they're losing their main starter, Micah Dallas. He was a weekend guy for them. 16 games started, 81 innings pitched, 7-3 record. They also lost two guys in the bullpen, and really their main guys out the bullpen in terms of appearances and effectiveness. They lost left-handed pitcher Jacob Palich, 28 appearances, 6-3 and three record with a 2.47 ERA and five saves. So he really just did everything for those guys in the pen. And they also lost Joseph Menifee, who also had 28 appearances. So between him and Palish, they were on team lead with 28 appearances out the pen. Menifee, 6-2, 53 innings pitched with 87K. So very impressive ratio right there. When I did the calculations, they only lost 38% of their game started last year, which was mainly from Micah Dallas, who started 16 games. So who are the Aggies bringing back when you look at their arms? So two key weekend pace pieces for this year's team will be Right-handed pitcher Nathan Detmer. So he started 19 games last year. So weekend guy, boom, he just slots right in. Last year in 2022, 6-3 record with a 4.99 ERA, 92 innings pitch. So he got a, work, a lot of work out of that arm last year. And in reading up uh, for this preview, you know, Detmer can run it up there at 98-99, but they think he's going to pitch really kind of in the mid-90s, which is where he's more effective. They also had a guy who was set to be a key piece of their weekend rotation, but it turns out he had Tommy John surgery in the fall. That's left-handed pitcher Ryan Prager. He started 15 games for the Aggies last year, but unfortunately he's going to miss the 2022 season. 
so they're hoping right-handed pitcher Chris Cortez will slot into that weekend spot. In 2022, he had 25 appearances, a 6-3 and record with a 4.91 ERA. Once again, another big arm, big velocity numbers from Cortez. He can run it up to 98-99 as well. And I think they're really going to rely on all reports point to left-handed pitcher transfer, transfer from Purdue. Last year, he was a great freshman, part of that Big Ten all-freshman team. This year, he's a sophomore in College Station. That is left-handed pitcher Troy Wanting. In the reports that I read, he can run it up to 94-95 from the left-hand side, and he has two quality secondary pitches and a slider and a changeup. So look for him to fill that void left by Prager, who had Tommy John. So I would imagine AM's weekend rotation is going to look something like Detmer, maybe Friday. Then you slide into Purdue transfer Wansing, W-A-N-S-I-N-G. So it's kind of getting me right there. I want to say Wansing. Wansing on Saturday. And then the right-handed pitcher, Chris Cortez, who they're hoping is going to take a big leap forward this year as your Sunday starter. The big thing, though, is what's going to happen in the pen. They do bring back Brad Rudis, who had 26 appearances. But really, they're going to rely on JUCO guys and transfers, notably USC right-handed pitcher, the grad transfer, Carson Lambert, to fill out a role. But in doing some research, there were just a bunch of names thrown out there. And it seems like Schlossnagel and Yeski are really going to have to find some guys they can trust before conference play starts. As we mentioned, LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss coming straight to town there. Um, They're going to have to figure things out quick in their non-conference to see who they trust on the back end of that staff. And with with regards to middle relief setup and who's going to close for them, I don't know. And in all the articles I read, there was no one person that kept being mentioned in terms of who has locked down that closer spot. So moving on to my 2023 prediction, like I like their lineup a lot. I mentioned that, you know, a lot of returners, a lot of pop guys hit for a lot, a high average and, you know, just a lot of production as a whole returning for the Aggies. Um, I believe they have the bats to get back to Omaha. There is no doubt, but do they have the arms? Reading up on some articles, Schlossnagel feels that their staff, The ceiling is higher this year for their staff than last year. He feels they're more talented and deeper, but he does feel like some guys are going to have to step up, mainly with how effective their secondary pitch is. He knows, and he stated in these articles, that they will have to have effective secondary pitches to get through these lineups multiple times when it comes to SEC conference play. He really needs these guys to make strides with regards to Detmer and Cortez. That's great. They can run it up to 97-98. That's always amazing. But if you don't have a breaking ball or something else for a strike, eventually these SEC bats are going to catch up to you second, third time through the order. Another thing I noticed with regards to their pitchers, these guys are huge physically. All of them seem like they were anywhere from 6'3 to 6'7, anywhere from 215 to 240. So really big guys, and it seems like a lot of them have some really big arms. But how does that translate into SEC play in terms of a lack of experience or having success at lower levels? How does that play when you're facing SEC lineups like Arkansas or LSU's or Ole Miss's, Tennessee's, the list goes on and on. And those guys aren't just great three and four hole. They're great one through seven. When you look at their schedule, the first three weekends do worry me a little bit with LSU, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. And if you're the Aggies and maybe their fans feel differently, but me, I'm trying to be objective here. Do they get five games out of those nine games? So between LSU, Tennessee, and Ole Miss, do you think they can get five? I don't think so. I think the number's probably four. You know, even though LSU and Ole Miss are home, 
I mean, I don't know. Going on the road to Tennessee, you hope to get one. I mean, can you pick up two, to, you know, three between the LSU and Ole Miss series? I, I think the number's four when you look at those first three series. Where do I project the Aggies? I think they will go 16 and 14 in SEC conference play, and I predict, predict them to finish third in the SEC West this year. Thank you all for tuning in. As a reminder, like, subscribe, comment to the YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. The account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. As always, Apple, Google, Spotify, other major, major audio platforms is where you can catch the pod. On deck, Tennessee and LSU. Massive combo pod. I was going to try to do them separate, but I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to throw them all together. Look for that early next week. Also, hit the notifications bell for Twitter. Big things planned for y'all next week leading up to LSU's opening series for the 2023 season at Alec Box Stadium. So until next time, y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.